From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber. Live from America Podcast. Where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more. With an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Gorman. Hello and welcome to uh, the Comedy Sellers Live from America podcast. This is Hatem. Uh, Noam Dorman is unfortunately sick. I wish he feels better soon. Uh, but I have the one and only Andrew Eaton is here and he's going to take Hello. place. Good to see you. And uh, in a few seconds, we or a few minutes, we will have comedians Brian Torresetti. And he is a uh, finalist at the uh, Kenan uh, Thompson uh, com- com- uh, uh, Comedy Experience. And he was the uh, producer and actor of the award winning show migrants and actually he is here look at that timing wow i was just introducing yeah so um andrew good to good to have you we had a great conversation before this good to be back i'm also funny but probably not as funny as brian so think of me listeners think of me as like a supplement comedian on today's show i think i think you're pretty funny man and i'm not as smart as gnome but i am more handsome than gnome so there's at least some there's at least some balancing going on here Sure, Brian. Perfect timing. I was just introducing you. Said your credit, all that, and then you showed up. Thank you, man. I I felt the, my ears were definitely burning, and it wasn't from a, a migrant setting them on fire. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> How are you, man? Uh, we're just I'm doing good. Up. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Where are no, you? Are you look- in a bank? It looks like you're in the vestibule of a bank or something. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I just got out of a. I'm actually currently. Um, just in a hostage situation. So this okay. is actually a call for help. So if you guys don't you are, mind, you yeah. are goddamn dedicated, man. This is, this is a guy that <laughs> respects commitments. <laughs> That's right, man. You know, I don't care if there's a gun to my face. You know what? I'm still going to do Brian, comedy. Next time I take hostages, I'm going to let them do business calls. Like you've really you like you've spoken to my heart. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, what's that? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to die now. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you in the city, Brian? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the city right now, man. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, saying to our audience earlier. Unfortunately, Noam is sick. He just called me. He won't be able to do it. But Andrew's going to play the 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 part of Noam. Um, so, but Perfect. you know, uh, but we have a uh, very important topics. But before that, uh, let's talk about. Uh, do you guys care about Valentine's? Did you do anything special? Is Valentine's <laughs> like other cultures? I, I don't know, Brian. Do you have that Valentine's and? Oh, dude. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but in Latin culture, you don't just do Valentine's Day for your spouse. You do it for your mom, too. So it's such a weird thing where it's like I used to get like teddy bears and like chocolates. And then the cashier would be like, oh, is this for your girlfriend? I'm like, no, nah, it's for my mom, man. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we, we the same thing in the Middle East. But uh, I was asking because yeah. is it the same date because we have a different date. I think ours is in. I can't remember. It's been a while. I think it's it's in sometime in March as well. No, no, ours is definitely just for for February. So it's like yeah. the same day. Yeah. Uh, I had I had a great Valentine's Day. I don't normally like Valentine's Day because I usually spend it alone. 
I'm dating somebody, <laughs> but also I kind of think it's a crock holiday, to be honest with you. Like, and I'm saying this as a guy regularly getting laid. I'm not bitter right now as I usually <laughs> am. It seems like an unnecessary expenditure of time and money. And you got to go book reservation. So uh, uh, Abby and I and a couple other couples, we went and played shuffleboard. And then like I told my parents, and they were mystified that like I was acting older than them. And I was like, well, what you need to do is go just like suck face at a really cool club. Like you and your 70s need to go make <laughs> out in front of teenagers. Uh, but yeah, we went we went and did that and then just kind of walked around. It was nice. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah very is, cool, man. It is it is a, you know, interesting holidays because it's I mean, I don't know if it's a holiday, but an event, you know, because it's it's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people look at it like, you know, like you said, if they're in a relationship, it's like, oh, my God, you know. And if they're not, if they let me rephrase it, if they're new relationship, then it's a spicy. But it's if you've been with somebody yes. for a while, you'll be like, oh fuck. I do I, enough I just the, to not get divorced. That's really it. The the dumbest holiday, in my opinion, is New Year's Eve. Like I I enjoy it, but it's always a little bit of a letdown. Like it, it's you're gonna watch a ball drop in from Times Square, but you're gonna do it over your TV unless you're some kind of psycho that wants to stand out there with astronaut underwear. And, and if the holiday didn't exist, like if, if it had never happened, and I was like, hey, Brian, Hatem, do you want to come over to my house? We're going to get fucked up. We're going to get fucked up. And then I'm going to flip the Down. page over on a calendar. You'd be like, this is the dumbest fucking holiday I've ever heard of. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to binge drink with you to flip over a page on a calendar. I, I, Dude, I you, actually... had me, you had me at fucked up. So I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I actually disagree with you, uh, uh, Andrew, because I, I think uh, it's a good holiday. I know it's a, it's all, most of the time it's a letdown. And I think that's the purpose because you start the year with a letdown. It's like, it's kind of like the universal year is nothing good is going to happen. Okay. Like, Laura, you have a big party, nobody showed up. So just this yeah. is how the year is going to be. So be like that. Maybe so. I, I was talking to somebody the other day that was like, I, I thought he had the most brilliant insight on life where he's like, don't shoot for happy, shoot for pretty good. That was like, that was his whole thing is like, don't shoot for nine out of 10, shoot for seven out of 10. Like, and, and like, I was like, you know, there might be something to that because you're not going to be nine out of 10 all the time, but you might be able to be seven and then maybe the nine will surprise you. I mean, yeah. we do that in relationships, right? No, <laughs> no I hope my wife doesn't see that. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, you know, Kurt Metzger, comedian. You have this brilliant joke is like, you know, that's why it's called settle down. It doesn't call reaching for the stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's talk about uh, our main topic today. You know, immigration, the migrants and all the things going on in New York City. You know, so New York City historically been, you know, sanctuary city forever. Um, and then the yep. numbers start to come in like uh, recently, like other other cities and other states will be like, okay, so you're not against that law. Like we sent you everybody. And then the mayor is losing his mind. And then there's a couple of incidents that happened. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure they focus on that uh, because it's, you know, migrants and it's news. But um, uh, there's a couple that attacked the cops. Uh, we saw that video, obviously. Uh, and then one of the kids was, you know, arrested a couple of days ago, also in Macy's. Um so let's start with that. What do you what? Let's go with Brian first. What do you think of this whole situation happening right now? Well, I mean, it's cool that you know these migrants are uh, really assimilating to the U.S. so much by also hating NYPD, which is pretty cool, you know. <laughs> so it's like everyone's like these people need to assimilate. I'm like, as far as I'm concerned, you know, jumping over turnstiles, shoplifting. I'm like, this sounds like my fellow New Yorkers, man. These guys came ready, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I, you know, obviously when you get like a bunch of people and, you know, they're in a tough situation, you're going to always get people that act out. Um, but obviously, I think each political side is like running with the narrative that they want, you know, which is always going to happen. I mean, it happens with anything. But I think overall, I mean, it's it's a situation that has really led to, uh, I think, empathy being stretched on both sides. And I think it's kind of interesting how like you're seeing Mayor Adams react from being like, you know, when he was running, he was like, we're here to help everyone. Everyone's a New Yorker. And then after a while, he's like, guys, this is going to crush the city. And then yeah. now he's just to the point now where he's just like, Obama, can you just send us billions of dollars? Like, it's just uh, it's just the narrative that have, that has kind of stretched. But I don't think there's an easy solution. Because like, once people get here, it's like, how do you just push them aside? It's like, you, you can't. So you got to find a way. Like, this is something that has happened. Yeah. Um, You've had the sanctuary city. The the Texas governor was like literally um, called your bluff. And then now you're having to work through it. So it's kind of a good point. I mean, it really does kind of show what like the border states have been dealing with in New York. And the thing that sucks though is that there are people who are getting caught in the crosshairs. But that's what anything political. It's like there's always going to be people caught in the crosshairs. Absolutely. But I think he did make, you know, in Texas and all the other cities make a good point is like you don't you don't know until you live it, you know. But for me, like I love the fact that New York is always sanctuary city. You know, this is this is something unique about the city. I think this is gave it, um, you know, a lot of, you know, magic in a way. But can we control it? Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the whole situation in general? Uh, I, I broadly agree with Brian. I, I think he's made some good points. Um I, I'm I'm very pro immigrant. I think we should double or triple the amount of people coming into the country. Uh, I I find that people that need green cards are much more apt to date me in general. So I've always found it to be fairly advantageous. Uh, I think that the folks around the border in Texas have a point, not in the sense of like we don't want immigrants. I don't agree with that bit, but in the in the, in the point of uh, look, we have we have limited uh, infrastructure available to us. We have limited resources available to us. If everybody's going to come here and then just stop. We've got a problem. And one of the things we ought to be doing at the federal level is trying to figure out how to more um, distribute the amount of people coming into the country, particularly coming down from the border that are doing uh, doing so through amnesty. Um, And the bit that confuses me is like I keep reading about how like Detroit and Philadelphia and a lot of the Rust Belt cities have become depopulated. They don't have enough people. And uh, and and that's a problem. We got too many people. In New York and Texas. And I'm like, can we figure I, I feel like we could figure this out. Like what I would do is go, hey, how about this? If you come across the border and you go to Detroit, we'll knock a year off however long you have to be here before you get a green card. How about that? Uh, or like another thing we could do, you know how the Republicans are really worried about the deficit? How about this? Like if if you want to come over and you give us ten thousand dollars, we'll just let you stay here. We'll put it towards the deficit. I feel like that would take care of a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, no, definitely. You know, if if we take it one step at a time, like, first of all, the border, the open border, you know, there have to be a policies, obviously, to control it. I think there's difference between people just crossing the border and people applying for, you know, uh, they have life crisis and they come want to come in and stuff. You know, my position on the border was clear the whole time. You know, I was definitely for open border until I got in. And then now I want it to be closed. <laughs> that you know? 
is a beautiful yeah, did, American. Did you talk to my tradition. dad too, Hatem? Because I no, think that's the is same. It the same thing. <laughs> that's the same thing. Yeah, it only I, takes I, one generation for you to be like, "I'm here now, shut it down." <laughs> I feel a lot of immigrants are like that. It's like, okay, I don't want to be like, I want to be the cool one in the family. So you know, but uh, but I, you know, seriously though, I feel like this country is building immigration and immigrants from you know, forever. And I don't think any generation should come in and say, hey, let's stop getting general. We don't want, we want only America. Every American is an immigrant at a certain point, you know. So, but we have to, you know, control the border, obviously, 100%. There's no country that yeah. doesn't control the border, you know. Yeah, that's the, the toughest thing, too, is it, it's weird to see um, just the blowback within immigrate communities like i i don't care so much of like left and right i love like the subcultures so it's like it's really interesting because my family's like they're all mexican and then as soon as they announced that the migrants were getting like prepaid debit cards they get mad they're like oh we didn't get any of that shit like well why are they entitled so it's like it's weird how you have like cultures that are like normally very pro-immigrant but the moment like one group gets like an extra layer of benefit. I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't you have liked to have gotten that debit yeah. card? They're like, yeah, but I don't want them to have it. Like, I should have gotten it. I, I, I feel that's... Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I, I, I'm not an immigrant. I'm I'm a fucking storm of mayonnaise and my family's been over here a while. But I, I the, the bit that I can relate to the angry immigrants with is I hate standing in line. I hate standing in line. If I had to stand in line for like eight years... And then a bunch of people skip the line. Like I get homicidal when people skip the line of the movie theater. But like if somebody skipped the line. So I, I get where they're like, hey, we just walked through here and we had to do the whole thing. How come they don't? Know? That bit makes sense to me. Yeah, I think I think you can you can think of it in a different situation, not just the immigrants, because I think this happens all the time. Like, say, like if you talk about dating, like now there's dating apps back in the day. It's like, no, text messaging. Remember, you need to you, you had to call the person on their phone. You know, it was like now you have to text. So a lot of times it's like, that's not fair. It's you have it much easier. <laughs> you know, you used to have one TV show. You have if you're waiting for the game, you're waiting for the game. You know, you can watch everything until that game comes in. While you can say, like, watch other channels, you can pre preview, you get watching your old time and pause it. Like, in general, every generation get luckier than the one before. But also, what yeah, built I, us yeah it's true. Yeah, but well, I'll tell you my... it, it is a sign of the times. That's a good point at them. It's definitely things evolve, things get a little bit easier because before, I mean, what was the government handout? It literally was government cheese, bread, uh, powdered eggs. Like it literally was like war rations. So we've kind of evolved past that and they've realized what's the best way to get the food that people want the most. Okay, it's prepaid cards, but the optics of that, it comes from a good place, but the optics is Oh, they're getting free cash when they get here. It's like, dude, they they need money to eat. We can't we can't get the resources to bring in trucks and then put tables and distribute the food. It's easier to print a plastic card and be like, hey, use this to go buy the food that you need to survive. Yeah, I'll, but the I'll, optics that, is what people think. Yeah, I think people are getting mad about the wrong stuff too. In that, um, so so you're you know you're you're a a recent immigrant you were not given these uh affinity or these these programs new people are getting them and you feel like you've been cheated get mad at the people that are benefiting from crony crap capitalist bullshit that's where your tax dollars are really going that's the stuff that you should be mad about is like we give like seven billion dollars a year to sugar subsidies in florida in defiance 
of God's will. God never wanted Americans to grow sugar. We're not a good country for growing sugar. Not sugar can anyway. We give $7 billion to one family, the Castro family in Florida. Like those are the guys you should be mad at. Uh, we're like, yeah, uh, every year the Fed point. wants to have a, a targeted 2% inflation. You know the inflation thing? They've been doing that forever. They do it 2% every year. That's the goal. And they do it by giving money to banks. Like that's been going on a long time. Like like uh, I was born in 84. Money, uh, uh, US currency is worth half as much as when I was born. That's nuts. And that was intentional. So like, that's the stuff I'd get mad about first. And I think, yeah, really, the, and yeah then, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to change the topic. So if you have a thought in that, say, wait, go. I got one more. Yeah. <laughs> the heat and plan for immigration. Anybody can move to America if they open up an ethnic restaurant. I am, I think this is a great plan. I'm here in Texas and like no one gets mad at small mom and pop Mexican restaurants. Everybody gets excited about that. No one's mad. I love other cultures' foods. There's stuff called Cunefe. Y'all had Cunefe from uh, from Turkish foods? Yeah. Great no, stuff. No, I have not. Go, Brian, when I get you out of the I mean, we're starting situation, to get, we're, I'm going to take also... you straight to a Turkish restaurant. They're great. I would like, I would risk terrorists to get Cunefe. Like, I'd say like, you know, <laughs> it, that's, it's good enough. I'd let some fucker sneak in. So that's, that's my plan. Open up an ethnic restaurant. You can hang out in America. They're going to blow up either a, a, a tower or the bathroom after you're done eating. So it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I I I think you know you know the board, but but seems like, like kind of what you said about you know the banks and the inflation and stuff like that. Seems like the problem we have, we want the problem to continue. We don't want to solve it because I don't. I think that you can uh you know solve any problem that you want the border stuff like that. Like you have, if you use the army, you have the strongest army that you send to everywhere else. You have billions of dollars that you send to everywhere else, except. You know, here, acceptable. Why don't you do it the right way? You know, why don't you secure it and uh, not put like, uh, like, like do it in a human way? You know, I mean, so there's some horrible thing. We had um, we had a guest few uh, weeks. Oh, Andrew, you were in that show, the uh, white supremacy undercover. Oh, yeah, guy, yeah. You know, and there was like. I wasn't the white supremacist, by the way. We were talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there was, there's militias where they go to the border and just shoot. You know, regular people trying yeah. to cross the border. It's crazy. You know, yeah. it's uh, so I think like, again, it's a problem that it's always up for debate. Like, I don't believe that the greatest country in the world cannot solve that problem if they wanted to. You know, I, I feel I like have a sinking suspicion that the Republicans and Democrats in Congress prioritize getting elected over solving things that they'd like to solve things but they'd rather get elected if they had to choose between the two. And I think therein lies a lot of the problems here. I mean, you, you, like George W. Bush, for his many ills, was the last president to really push actual comprehensive uh, immigration reform. And this is a Republican. Yeah. And he wanted to he wanted to take uh, people coming in from Mexico and Latin America and get them a guest worker status where they we, we catalog them and we get them a number and we get them into the system and we go, yeah. you're able to work here for five years, but you got to pay taxes or something like that. Right. And they got shot down by the Republicans. And uh, today, like a lot of the things going on at the border, like it might be expensive, but I'm surprised we can't fix it. Like one of the things that would really yeah. help is get more immigration judges. One of the problems right. going on is that people coming in that are are getting caught and and either deported or are claiming asylum there are not enough judges to hear them so they're just pooling up there um uh, and and it's it's a bottleneck and like that's just that's an administrative function we got to fund i don't like the government but even i'm like well that seems like the kind of thing we got to give some more money to the government to unless we want to have a big border problem and it might involve like yeah. that 
the, the, the Democrats would tend to have that as a solution. The Republicans want to build the wall. It'd be expensive. Maybe we do both. Yeah, man, that's a that's a really good point. And you go back. I mean, my my parents got residency status with the whole uh, with Reagan's amnesty bill. So yeah. it's one of those things where it does help. You know, if it's like if you create a path versus just like putting up boundaries, if you create a path that like actually helps speed up the legality process. So, yeah. you know, you want people paying more taxes, you want all of these things. And you're also making a point. It's like, I keep hearing that the population levels are dropping in yeah. certain areas. And it's like, you have a good, healthy workforce that wants to come here and do something. Which, then by the way, we've got let's a make lot the of process easier. cash out on social security. That's going to be a big thing. We got a lot yeah. of old people that are cashing out on social security. You're absolutely right, Brian. Like the, um, uh, Europe and most of the developed world is declining in population. Japan is plummeted in population. China is about to pl uh, plummet in population because Mao South had the Korea, whole, yeah. no one gets to have any aunts or uncles policy for 50 years. And uh, and what tends to happen is, is uh, with the exception of Mao, you know, uh, enforcing one child rule, um, usually when, when uh, a country's economies get good enough that people aren't doing subsistence agriculture, where you need to have a big family of five or six people, they end up having one or two kids. And that becomes pretty common. And it's not a bad thing. It's a sign that the economy is doing well enough that people go, I'm going to focus on one or two kids, and I don't think they're even going to die. So I don't need to have backups. But uh, America would be that in terms of the people born here. We have similar uh, birth rates to Europe. The only difference between us and Europe is immigration. The only reason that we are not in a really big demographic crunch is because of immigration. And when you look at the data yeah. on, on immigrants, too, um, uh, Im immigrants have a lower criminality record than native-born Americans, and they have a lower uh, access to welfare than native-born Americans. So I, I look at them and go, I think that there's a legitimate argument to be made that if they're pooling up at one location, that's going to stress local resources and it's unfair. That's fine. But overall, when we're talking about immigrants as a concept, they're great. They help the economy. We need more people, and and they're they're, yeah, they're wonderful on average. And it's one of those things where you bring up a good point. I'm going to try to keep this as funny as possible, but it's so funny to me where it's like I lived in California and there was like a whole group that was trying to stop a migrant bus with children, by the way, that were like going through Mexico and they needed medical attention. They tried to block it. And it was near uh, San Diego. And you have people who are upset. And I'm like, do you realize you're in a city that's called San Diego, Spanish, <laughs> and you're mad that Latinos are returning to like get some sort of like, you guys, all of this used to belong to Mexico. You know, it's it's the funniest thing where it's like it, the United yeah. States took an entire portion that was rich in natural resources like Texas, the oil, everything, and took it from a country because they just decided that was their destiny. And then you're putting up all these boundaries to like help less people after you did that. And well, Brian, it, I got to wait because I, I live in Texas, so I need to set the record state. What happened was <laughs> a bunch of white settlers like Davy Crockett, fine, upstanding Americans, moved to Texas and were invited by the Mexican government. And the Mexican government said, we are very happy for you guys to move to, to Mexico. You don't even have to learn Spanish. We do have one rule, no slaves. You can't have slaves. And those guys went, fuck you. We'll become our own country. And that's how Texas. And then after a few years, Texas joined America. Yeah. So it's 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 uh yeah, it's a really peculiar thing. And I, I think it's I think it's also just lack of context. Um, you know, we everyone talks about like in the Middle East, like the history 
right? Like that gets thrown out there anytime conflict is brought up, but it's like, there literally was a land grab war in our own country. And as far as like Mexico goes, like they were kind of okay with losing the war and everything, but also all of a sudden you're saying that they have no right to at least come back. You're like, dude, they were, they had family generations deep in these cities and they had to abandon them and then move to Southern Mexico when they lost the war. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know, and that's not even mentioning like the destabilization of countries in Central and South America that kind of led to a lot of these migrant crises. Well, yeah, like, you know, one of the things we could do that I think would help dramatically with that is in the drug war. This is where we're getting, I'm, I'm getting into like weird zone here, but like, you know who you don't see shooting a lot of folks over crime? Wineries. Wineries are legal. You don't see like wine going for $800 a bottle at the gas station. Not the wineries I've been to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, 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 we've, we've, we've declared war on drugs. We did that under Nixon. It's a failed war. By the way, people are getting plenty of drugs. There are plenty of drugs. I can't get it because I look like a narc. Brian probably could. So like maybe next time I'm in New York, if I want drugs, I'll hang out with Hetem and Brian. But we're definitely That's actually what I'm doing them. right now. The, the, hey, man, the, you want an eighth? I'm yeah, telling you. Right you're now. just hanging out in an alley waiting for an eight ball. Thanks, man. Yeah, pick me one up. Would you? I'm more of a, give me some Viagra and Adderall. I feel like those are the drugs I should be on at this point <laughs> in my life. Um, but like like That's those- white guy drug. They, yeah, white guy drugs. They, but they, the, the, that policy makes it so lucrative to to peddle the drug trade and there's no legal recourse so what do people do they they get armed they form drug cartels and shit and it destabilizes all destabilizes all these countries and they want to come up if if you get rid of the drug war you treat it like a medical problem rather than a criminal problem the profit would just bottom out on all that shit and you'd find that those other countries would be more stable the other thing we could do by the way is um yeah. quit subsidizing our agriculture um like ha have a or let me rephrase have a free market in agriculture uh, as opposed to subsidizing sugar and shit, because what we do is in these poor Latin American countries, the only thing they can compete with us on is labor. They've got cheap labor and they can undersell us on labor. And that's the only thing they can do. And what we do is we get subsidies from other taxpayers and we give it to those guys to make our stuff cost less at the grocery store. And it ends up pushing out their agricultural sector. We can import their stuff cheaper than we were doing it on ourselves. And that would allow them to actually have livings. But as it is, they can't compete. So they come in here and end up working as migrants, picking fruit for us. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. And yeah. um, that's the one thing it's, you know, Mexico's economy is going up. They're, they're getting a lot of the, the labor that was normally in China. They rebuilt a lot of factories. Tesla built a factory in the town that my dad lives in Mexico. And, you know, they're, their economy is doing better. And that's why a lot of the migrants are not even from Mexico because they actually have yeah. the jobs there that are moving from U.S. manufacturing. It's a lot of people from Central South America. And then you're also getting people that fly from like North Africa and stuff like yeah. that. So it's it's a weird thing because it's it's also a lot of Russian immigrants. That's what they're starting to see, too. Yeah, I'm, but we I'm, don't I'm care if they're white. <laughs> yeah, yeah they don't report those guys <laughs> what, one, more, one more bit of it so like the, the russians are a good example of this right uh people that flee authoritarian or communist countries tend to hate communists like this is one of the great things about florida is all the all the cubans that came up from florida hate communism so i'm like if you, you don't like communism bring in immigrants from communist countries because they hate the communists too yeah, yeah, but I think Brian yeah. said a, a great point is like, you know, they focus a lot on just the border with Mexico while there's other borders everywhere flying in, you yeah. know, coming in like anything yeah. that 
you know, even though like the flying apart, you can control more, you know, where you have, you know, they have to land, you have to give them a visa, you have to, you know, there's a lot oh, of yeah. more control. So there's a more, you know, um, organized in that way. You can expect certain numbers. You can know where they're going, they were the landing, stuff like that. But um, versus, you know, uh, coming from, uh, you know, bordering large numbers and, you know, uh, but that's the thing. So do you think, do you think New York is going to, what, what, what New York should do? I mean, we solved the problem already. The three of us are geniuses. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, what do you think New York is going to do? Cause like there's right now kind of, you know, um, solution needed, uh, you know, there's big numbers here, you know, and, you know, I think it, it could be used these force in a good way, you know, but uh, also we only see the incidents that the media cover. And like I said, I'm from the Middle East, so I know exactly when media covers certain specific incident and don't cover something yeah. else, you know. And so that's that's what sells. That's what people want to see, you know. So what's the solution for, for New York City? If you care, Andrew, I know you're in Texas. All good. I mean, one of the great things about New York City is all the interesting food. It seems to me Heaton's everybody opens up an ethnic restaurant plans a pretty good one. You guys have a lot of unused corporate space right now, don't you? From the pandemic, like a bunch of the businesses moved out, turn them into restaurants, bring in more immigrants. But not everybody's <laughs> gonna is gonna be able to uh to do that. But I mean, like the sanctuary, uh, you know, they they have like uh you know shelters now. You heard about the curfew thing? They want to get the, what is the worst? Can you imagine if you come into the U.S. and you have curfew from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m.? Like, what the fuck is this? You're in New York City and you have curfew? This is the worst thing you could do. Is is that for migrant shelters or homeless yeah. shelters or both? Uh, I don't know about homeless shelters. Definitely about the, the 20 or 30 migrant shelters that, you know, enforce that rule recently. I think yeah. it's the, one, the ones in the Upper West Side. So yeah, I, they put can... in a they put in a curfew, and if you they catch you outside your curfew, you don't get your uh you don't get your fruit roll up the next day. I think if that's the policy, I think um you have to go to timeout. I think that's the policy. I I can kind of get it. So when when I was in Oklahoma, I was volunteering with uh, uh the homeless community there, and so I you know, I knew a lot of the homeless guys and like would run into them and stuff and and hang out and uh like one of the homeless shelters there had a curfew in place and it was irritating because you had to be there, I think by like seven or 8 PM or, or they wouldn't let you in. Uh, but I think that the reason they had it, I think was that they knew if you could come in at midnight or one or two in the morning, that, that drunk people or people that were on substances would come in and kind of ruin the, the stability for everybody else. Kind of in the same way, like nobody thinks about this, but with the uh, homeless shelters, like a big problem is they won't let in dogs. So homeless people that have dogs just won't go into the homeless shelters, which makes total sense. But we need to have like charities in place to take care of the dogs for them. But that you get where they're coming from. You don't know the dog. You don't know if it's been vaccinated. You don't know if it's got a uh, 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 violent or whatnot. So I, I can understand why there would need to be some kind of curfew there if if there's like a specific like you know drunk drunk problems or violent problems increase after midnight something to that effect like I, I don't really have a problem with the fact that liquor stores close at midnight or whatever because most of the data shows that um if liquor stores are open till like 6 a.m like between midnight and six people are just buying liquor to get fucked up and everybody else just buy it earlier yeah um yeah, have you been have you been keeping tabs on my uber eats orders is that what you're doing <laughs> are you calling me out there Andrew? No, yeah. I, I, is that is that what it is with them? It's it's you can't go into the shelter after a certain hour because 
that's I mean, that's kind of like every policy. I mean, dude, have you ever tried to check into a hotel room before 3 p.m.? They're such assholes about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I pay no. for a whole day and I, and I got to wait till almost the evening. The whole day is gone. But imagine you in New York City and they tell you, OK, from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., you cannot be out. You have to be here. It's like, damn, you know. Like this yeah, is, I, I, I think yeah, that's that is a little wild. So you, if they catch you on the street as a migrant, like that's it. You they arrest you, or what do they do? You just get a ticket and infraction. I, I don't know. I mean, the the new video that leaked about the attack on the cops, you know, uh, was them trying to also kick them out from Times Square to to go somewhere else, you know, and they were just hanging out. You know, again, they should not have. You know, obviously, you don't you don't attack anybody now not just cops, but you know, the way it was done hundred percent wrong. And the fact that yeah, the they also let them go, right? like, I can't believe they let them go. Like you cannot do that. Like they, they attacked the cop, they attacked the system. They attacked the law. So I, I think you should have, uh, they should have been uh, arrested at that point. What do you think? Andrew, I think it's ahead. a domino yeah. effect. Oh, yeah. sorry, Andrew, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, I was, uh, now I've, I've not been following this as close as you guys. I don't live in New York, but as I recall the, the, the initial wave of that story was that some migrants beat up some cops and then they let them go. But the, the new development is on the uh, on the police cam that they asked, they, they told the guys to leave. And then one of the guys said something snarky in Spanish and then they like roughed him up and then they got attacked. Yeah. So like, it's like, it, it but was it's not, still not okay. Yeah. But at the same time though, like why were the cops roughing up a guy that just said something snarky? Like that's fucked up too. Like I, I don't want cops abusing people because they feel like their respect has been besmirched. Yeah, I definitely it, there. It was definitely not like a, a clear cut case. There definitely was like the cops escalating a bit. I, I think it's a domino effect, though, because like the same year they shipped the migrants is the same year you basically had that no cash bail, you know, policy go into effect. And I think that really just set up a domino effect to where you do have people that are here um, who weren't planning on being here. I mean, a lot of them probably thought they were going to just stay in Texas. And then now they're thrown in a place that's like a concrete jungle and it gets below freezing at night. So they're going to be testy. But then also you should suffer consequences. I mean, I I don't I actually am more against the no bail policy than any of the migration, because if you do have people acting out, you want them to be in jail. Like I've been attacked in New York and you're like, I don't want that guy out on the street. I, I got attacked because I was trying to defend a woman who was getting attacked. Yeah. So it's like you want that guy to be off the streets period you know so it's like i think it's just that that the the optics were so bad where it's like you have the migrant crisis which already is a, a fuel fire and then you pour more gasoline by doing the no bail so it's the visual of them fighting cops getting released flicking off the camera which does not help but what do you expect they're teenagers you know wow. their kid they're you know 21 they're all arrogant idiots anyways so it was just like a huge domino effect that just literally just set people ablaze on on how they feel about the policy but yeah the, i think the no cash bail i mean even, I, I don't i don't think there's any immigrant that's for that that was like that's one of those things where it's like it's too left wing where people who are wait, wait, is, so I'm, I'm not familiar with yeah. no cash is no cash bail where the, where the judge decides if you're a flight risk or not and lets you go based on that or just bail based honor system yeah, it's essentially before is if you couldn't afford bail money, you would have to sit in jail until your court date. 
But now if you're from lower income status uh, or don't have the money for bail, then they'll say, okay, just come back for your court date. And they let you go right away, which, you know, in hindsight, again, it comes from a good place because you don't want poor people sitting in jail for a misdemeanor. But I think we should make an exception for like anything violent crime, not because an old lady forgot to pay a traffic infraction. She got pulled over on the BQE. It's getting yeah. arrested. You know, I think I think we should make specific examples. But yeah, that that's what it is. So it even applies to, to migrants. Yeah, that's, and I think it's especially policy. especially in a case like this. First of all, you don't you shouldn't insult the police if you just, you know, you shouldn't insult it anyway. But even if they're wrong, because now that's the idea of the body cams and all that. It's going to be released. Yes. It's going to be, you know, but these kids, you know, they are obviously, you know, kids and they angry and they're like teenagers and stuff like that. But it's not a good representation of I see a lot of immigrants that come in and it's like they need the work. They need to be here. Like maybe they have nothing to lose, but the rest of the people do. So I think yeah. for both sides, these guys should have been arrested, should have been sent a clear message and should have been, you know, deported even like it's yeah, just face, you don't face be consequences. Here, yeah. Okay. I've, yeah. I've got. Okay. I think I can. I think I can bring this all together because it was wrong of the migrants to try to beat up the cops or to beat up the cops, but it was wrong of the cops to rough up that first guy. So here's what we do: we deport everybody except the guy the cops roughed up. He gets to become a cop. Everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, I think that works, man. Yeah. I yeah, want no. that. that... <laughs> But you know, the, um, you know, I think the fact that New York City should remain sta uh, a sanctuary city is crucial because I don't know who was it was it Nikki Haley or I don't know who said like they want to cancel the sanctuary cities. I don't know if they can. Can they do that? I think they should. They should put it up to a vote. I'll tell yeah. you that. Why not? Why not let the citizens vote if they want a sanctuary city or not? I mean, I think that's a that's a good policy. It's like why not just make everything democratic? I know you like vote in the politician you want, but that's like a citywide policy that affects everybody. And if the city wants it, they want it. And if they don't, they don't. I, I think that's that's a real, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people would, you know, really prioritize in their voting if it was left to the people. Yeah, I'm 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 not too bothered by it. I mean, as I understand it, the way sanctuary city works is the, basically, the, the government of the city is saying this is just not a thing that we're going to bother with or enforce. We're going to focus on violent crime. So if, if if the feds are worried about it, the feds are welcome to send in federal law enforcement officers to take care of this because it's federal law. But the the city has said we're just going to deprioritize this, which like prosecutors do regularly. Prosecutors go, look, don't worry about kids in college. They get busted with pot. They're really not a big problem. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not too bothered by it. And the idea like, like to, to answer, I think, Brian, your question, I think what theoretically could happen is that if you had a Republican Congress and a Republican president, they could like suspend federal aid to cities that are sanctuary cities and say, like, you're just you don't get to get any of the various programs, you know, food stamps, Medicaid or whatever. So there is right. a way to punish them for it. But I I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes like with one extreme, like I think the sanctuary city policy, like I definitely think that more people would be more active in it if it was left to vote but then you also get like the extremities too where it's like these cities the mayor gets to have a lot of power and we saw that especially during the pandemic um and then you had in other cases arizona where they literally can pull people over based on how they look and if they're undocumented or not which is crazy you know so there is like a there's a, a hard left and a hard right on this issue um 
but I, I definitely think that you're right. Like the sanctuary city thing, leave it up to, to people and live with the consequences after that. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be an issue. But anything that organized should be OK. You know, if you if you actually put your head together to to have a system, you know, uh, and take the bad apples out, you know, you'll be uh, you'll be fine. But um, but I don't know. I like now now everybody's like like it started as making a point where like whenever uh, migrants like go to a place like Texas or Florida or whatever, they ship them to New York. But I think now that become a, a brilliant solution for Texas and Florida just to ship them to us, you know, so which is, you know, I think anyway, it's good for them. If I w- if I would move again for the first time ever, I would want to be in New York City where there's different cultures, different people, different stuff. Not not like I don't want to be like the first people to see is like Andrew's people in Texas. That would be. Yeah, whereas, fun. you know, I'm really racist. The last thing I want to do is run into Hatem. <laughs> so I, I moved down here to the bigot state. Hey, you barely want to be on the Zoom call right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I saw videos of like the migrants freezing in Chicago, like once the winter hit. I'm like, guys, what the fuck did you think was going to happen <laughs> during the winter? Like if you're in Venezuela, the coldest it gets is like 75 degrees. Now all of a sudden you're in a place that has like a wind chill factor of like negative 40. I'm just like, hey man, you want an America? Here's your America. Yeah, that's you know the price you gotta pay. You know, you never know. That's one of the things. Is like also like I think this is one of the things that immigrants especially know it is like whatever you land, like the, whatever you end up, like if you come to New York versus Florida versus Texas, but whatever you're gonna end up like, this is your first America they're gonna see. It's gonna change your life dramatically. It's gonna take a different direction that you never know. That's going to be, uh, you know, it can put a twins, one in, you know, California, yeah. one in like New York is going to be two different things. You know, mm-hmm. the experience, the people that because, you know, you are forced to uh, to do certain like like when we first move in, like I said, there's no apps. There's no the only thing that was back then was Craigslist, you know, and you flip a coin, you can get killed or get a job. You have no idea. You know, you're just going to go anyway. There is no phones. There is no taxes. There's no. So you look for the job. You know what you have to do? You actually walk and ask for a job. <laughs> there's no send resume. It's there's so no true. Mess. And I. This country was better when Craigslist was our go to for everything. You know, like everyone complains about Amazon. They're like, oh, Amazon kills businesses. I'm like, dude, Craigslist used to kill people. Yeah. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. one thing. And, and I, you know, and Craigslist was the first one to, you know, one source to get everything from you can get you know a job you know you can get your girlfriend you can get your house you can get your apartment you can get whatever you want everything was there craigslist it was like and you never you never felt weird when you're on craigslist right even the design of the craigslist looks like it's weird it's for weird people and i just read this article it's so funny how craigslist i haven't been in craigslist for a while but they never changed their design it's exact same. No, yeah. <laughs> Still that like GeoCities 1998 hyper Yeah, and it's that blue underline. It says like, hey, we're still as Like weird a government, yeah, website. <laughs> <laughs> we're still as weird as we are. So, uh, uh, Brian, you have you have a show, uh, Migrants. What is it about? I, get a, I didn't get to see it. Yet. So, yes, I have a, I it's have a series a movie, out. Right? It's a, no, it's actually, it's been a, it's a web series. Okay. So, Migrants is essentially uh, a parody of the New York City migrant crisis. So 
basically my idea is, you know, when this was first announced that the migrants were being shipped from the southern border to New York, I immediately just thought of how could we make this funny? Uh, and the whole premise of the show is you have like two naive Brooklyn hipsters that set up this fictional migrant integration initiative. So their goal is to help the migrants resettle in Brooklyn. And my whole thing was, if you have a woke hipster trying to teach a migrant about pronouns, I think that's a good recipe for comedy. So we built a whole series from that. And uh, our first episode, it went viral. Um, we got it into the New York Latino Film Festival, which is presented by Warner Brothers. And uh, we actually won um, at the Georgia Latin Film Festival for best series. So it's a straight comedy. It's done like a mockumentary. Um, I play one of the migrants. Uh, his name is Guicho. He's from Mexico. And, you know, people have shared it online. Uh, their clips have gone viral. People love it. And yeah, we just took a premise that's happening in the world right now. It's still in the news, even when I produced it a year ago. And, you know, people are just, they, they connected with it. They love the, the juxtaposition of, you know, Gen Z with uh, like kind of old school Latin <laughs> machismo. I I, I feel like a lot of the stories, you know, being, you know, immigrant as well is like a lot of stories are um, real stories. You know, a lot of stories, yeah. like sometimes you you'll imagine stuff, what if this happened and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of the stories that, you know, I remember there's so many shows that when they first started and get into comedy, people will be coming and, you know, I'm not a comedian, but I was, you know, I'm a producer, a manager for uh, for the, when I managed the seller back in the day, and I had a lot of my friends that they were like writing shows. It's like, oh, tell us about you know certain things, and they tell them stories, and they change the show to make it like that because it's just so funny. You know, the idea of things that happen to uh, to a lot of people, but you know, even like one of the greatest movies, like Coming to America. You know, like all these yeah. things is just like you know the actual shock of culture in you know it's not it's not the fact that it's a warning for the immigrants as much as it's like it's a look at the american culture and be like oh really we're really like that is that what we're trying to teach you know i think andrew would be great in that show <laughs> i think you know what i think that'd be great fun all around like i think that'd be fun uh showing immigrants around the country trying to integrate them i'm a friendly dude uh, like, oh, yeah. in other they would eat contexts, you up a lot. I think I'd be great fun for like <laughs> Amish people doing rum springer. I think yeah. I'm the exact level of fun for Amish people doing rum springer. So, if there's any Amish kids listening to this right now, I'm gonna be the guy that could like get you boozed up, but not really get you in trouble, kind of yeah. like a colorful lump. But I, I do like when you know, when you mix two cultures of two level of income together, and one I, I remember in the Chappelle show. When he did that uh, uh, clip about um, Fear Factor, uh, mm -hmm. do you remember that? He Chappelle was playing a homeless guy, and you know, in yeah, Fear Factor, head. yeah, in Fear Factor, you use you eat like uh, like shitty stuff, and you eat like insects, and you eat like you know, and everybody's like disgusted, and and he's yeah. like the homeless guy, he's already eating before they even start. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. you, have to, you have to start, wait. But it's that's the truth is like, not everybody in the same level, not everybody in the same mindset. So it's uh, it's it's good to, um, it's good reflection for us. And, and if we want, I think if we want to be a good example, if we want to be a good culture, we don't want to like, if somebody commit a crime, like the, the guys that hit the cop, I don't think we show that we are a great culture by letting them go 
I think they should be punished and I should. And I think what we should do as a good culture is to take those who really wants to be here uh, and help them, you know? Uh, and, and the thing is about immigrants is that each, they just need you to put them in the first step and they'll take care of everything else. We work hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, you know, when, when we did the show, it's like, we wanted to kind of do like a commentary on like every point of view on this issue. Uh, but it was always done with the goal of laughter. Right. Yeah. So it's like comedy was like the main goal. So through that, you can really kind of showcase and hold the mirror up to a lot of people. And using satire, we were able to kind of tackle the show and help people kind of see like the ins and outs. And since it's done a, as a from a real perspective, right, it's like not like, you know, a, a TV producer is detached from it. It's like we're able to really kind of connect with a, with a good audience online with it, which is the best part. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, you talk about coming to America, you talk about, uh, you know, portraying characters from a realistic point of view. And when you do it through like that comedic voice, people really kind of see it differently, um, which that's exactly what we want. It's like we just want people to laugh and whatever you take away from it, you take away from it. But yeah. it's like everybody, everybody gets attacked, the left, the right, um, center, uh, progressives, Republican. It's like let's just go after everybody, which I think how Ryan, good comedy God, should God be. bless you for being a laughter first comedian. I really do respect <laughs> that. I really do respect that of like, look, our job is to make fucking jokes. We have a viewpoint, but the job here is to get jokes across and get people to laugh. Oh, yeah. Maybe the, maybe the viewpoint will bleed through. We're not making propaganda that we lubricate with humor, but listen, no, I, no, I, I, think I, I would never do that. Way. I think, I think, you know, that's why, Stand-up comedy is a great art because it's the first thing to break into that very hard situation when there's a very tough situation, the very sad situation. Just to break up with that laughter, somebody's laughing, you know, because of the joke is too funny in that, that, you know, the reflection that comes from it, I think is it's easier to make people cry than to make them laugh. You can put a video together in five minutes of the most horrible right. things in the world and some music. Writing jokes is hard. Cry. It's very difficult yeah. to write a lot of good jokes. It's tough. Yeah. That's why that's why clapter is more common right now because it's a lot easier to do clapter than it is to write something funny. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, it's easy. And you know, I think I think the one thing I never want to be accused of is like going for like the again, the clapter joke. We saw that I think the worst version of that during while Trump was president. Like you saw a lot of comedians that I respected, and I'm just like, dude, you're really going for that joke. Come on, yeah. man. Like yeah. Anybody that, that someone says at their work meeting says that joke, you know, so it's like, yeah, I, I think you're doing a disservice by layering your point of view ahead of the material. And I think the material should always be the number one thing. And if you're funnier, man, people, people are going to take away what they take away. That's not your job. Your job is just to be, especially yeah. a comedian. Well, and, and, like, and, th and those are ultimately the most successful comedians too, at, in, in terms of both getting the laughter and getting the ideas across. Right. So like yeah. you go back and you watch like early daily show, early Colbert, they were really fun and funny and they had a viewpoint, but like the, I, I don't know if the daily show still does, but, but ba back in the original John Stewart era, they had a rule in place that if a line was put in the script in order to elicit applause, that they would strike it because they weren't going for applause. They were going for laughter. And that made yeah. them incredibly potent, both as comedians, but also getting your idea across. Cause like humor is a great way to get your idea across because like, if you're arguing with somebody, you get adrenaline, you get cortisol, your hackles get up, but like people will, they'll, they'll get on board with you for 25 seconds to hear the end of the yeah. punchline. They, they will come on board and 
like Brian said, you know, maybe they'll they'll take some of it, maybe they'll reject it, they'll have their own spin, but like humor's really good at it, but you gotta focus on the humor. Yeah. And that that's the one thing like we got on our show. Like I I look at the comments and there are people who don't agree with like what's the migrant thinks, but they love the characters. So they like root for the migrants characters in the show. And then, you know, you're like, they'll even say though, like I vote Republican. I think, but it's like, this is such a funny show that nice. they kind of, they can, again, it's like, it's suspending disbelief. And that's, and that's really what comedies used to do. When people yeah. on YouTube go, I politically disagree with this, but it's really fucking funny. That's like the highest praise you can get from the monsters yeah. who comment on YouTube videos. And, and I did a, I did the Babylon B podcast and, you know, they're all, you know, it's a more of a conservative fan base, but they win. They love the show and they get what they get out of it. They're like, oh, you're making fun of like the woke hipsters. We we make fun of them, too. You did it so authentically. And it's like, yeah. So now you're laughing and rooting for the migrants against the people, you know, against the woke hipsters. So I think that's the cool thing with comedy. It's like you can make people rethink certain things again laughter first does that not agenda first and i i think it's also important that the people that feel because i've seen so many shows you know about different things like um if like say the middle east or immigrants or you know and if it's done you can always tell if it's done by people that actually live the experience or people that have not and just so there's two different so there's some things that funny but insulting to cultures and it's actually not really funny it's kind of like haha in a movie funny and that's it and there's those that's done that comes from pain comes from suffering a little bit comes from understanding the culture and stuff of the people comes with like knowing that you have to deal with these people when you come in and you know that usually gets the best shows and gets the best laughter and gets the best um you know uh re- reaction to it you know yeah no, I agree. I, th- I think I think when you come at it from like the culture that you know and you're telling stories about that same culture, that's when you can get into the minutia and really create something that leaves an imprint on people. Like, you know, like Scorsese directing Goodfellas, you know, it's about American mobsters or Coppola directing The Godfather. They they grew up in Italian American households. They knew the details and that those movies left an imprint on everyone who watched them. So yeah. it's like, again, you're right. It's like it has to be within the same culture telling the stories um, because they're done authentically and they're done with love. And I, people feel it when it's authentic versus when it's reproduced. Yeah. And just to, just to be clear, this is until you make money. Once you start paying you millions, you do whatever the fuck they want. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to sell out tomorrow, dude. I really am. Yeah. So for anybody listening, if you want to offer a couple of mills for the show, listen, you will do it your way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Very much speaking, so. speaking of comedy and then we're going to end soon. Um, uh, John Stewart is back, you know. Uh, I'm very happy that he's back. I think he's brilliant. I I don't know if you have the same writers, but I know that you have the same personality. I think it's perfect come back in the election year. Uh have you seen it, Andrew? What's your thoughts I, on I have not, but I, I'm by excited. the way, you know they have different hosts for the um for the daily show now. Like every every few weeks they switch the sh- the host. I think you would oh, be really? a great host. I I would love to let them know. Yeah? I'd love to do it. You want me to make some calls? Make some calls. I'd be right. pretty good. Yeah, it's a long list. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I moved back Stewart. to New York to do that for a month. Oh, yeah. What do you um, think of John um, Stewart's coming back? 
I, I'm excited that he's coming back. I'm a little bit worried about it because the, the clips that I saw of his show on Apple, I was not really blown away by. Um, I, I think that there's, I don't know if this is a thing that comedians age into, or if this is just in the water right now. I feel like a lot of comedians I really like that I think are brilliant comedians sort of transitioned from doing really interesting, funny stuff to like, just kind of doing their own personal New York times opinion piece that is pretty bog standard and then adding jokes to it. And I don't like that. And I, I don't want to see that happen to, uh, to John Stewart. Uh, although I've I've not watched the clip from his his return yet, I'm told it's very funny and that that he is bringing back that original fire. Um, and I hope he does. I I don't I don't I don't what I don't want to do is I don't want it to turn into to John Stewart just doing like a, an angry serious piece and then they slop some jokes on top for all of the reasons that we previously talked about of of laughter first. But I'm told that his his uh, return has not been that that his return has been funny John Stewart. Brian, any thoughts on uh, John Stewart's coming? Yeah, it's it's so there's two things. I thought he left on such a high note um, that it's almost like when Jordan came back to play for the Wizards. It's one of those things where like you left on such a perfect ending. The show was still at the top. It was still culturally relevant. And then, you know, to come back, it's almost like taking that moment away. Um, I understand why he came back. I think his Apple show didn't do as great as he wanted it to. And I think he was trying to maybe go for more serious experimental stuff. But when you know him so well from like doing like, you know, an entire piece on like New York versus Chicago pizza, which is one of the funniest pieces ever done. If you guys need to check it out on YouTube from the old daily show for him to come back, it's almost like, ah, man, I, I don't want to see, you know, when you kind of see like, you know, your favorite athlete, come back and then they do worse and it just kind of stains the legacy. I also kind of wanted the torch to be passed on to a new voice. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of great comedians out there. Um, I think comedy central just realized what the daily shows become. Unfortunately, I don't, I like Trevor Noah, but I don't think he was the right fit for it. I think at the time it was a safe fit, but you could tell he didn't love America. He wasn't American, yeah. you know, and I've gotten tired of hearing foreign voices do American politics because they judge it from the outside perspective. Like, oh, you know, like you have a what's his name that does a last week tonight. You know, it's a British John Oliver, Trevor, John Oliver. John Oliver. Yeah. Trevor Noah was South African. It needs to be an American voice because at the end of the day, you have to say, look, I love this country. This is my country. This is my home. And I'm here to make fun of mom and dad. You know, it's like, this is your home. You make fun of your parents. But when other people make fun of your parents, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with Jon Stewart, I hope he's able to kind of bring Daily Show back up. I don't know if that's their plan. And then pass the torch to a good, solid American-born comedian. Um, I'm excited. I mean, I think it's cool. Um, I, I used to watch The Daily Show when I was a kid, you know, like on, in high school. Um, so I've watched some of the clips that have come out and it is funny. It does feel like more of a throwback. Um, so he's got the energy, he's got the delivery. I don't think there was anybody who did sit down political humor better than, than John Stewart. So it's cool, man. I mean, he's a yeah. legend and, um, I'm excited either way, but let's see what the future holds. I think, I think that it's, uh, you know, I always, when you are such a, a great you know performer or player or whatever you know people will always wonder 
what ah i wish he was here like i remember when the trump biden election everybody was saying oh i wish john stewart still had a show at the daily show still so that makes you like even more legend so you could leave it at that and leave it to people's imagination but then if you are a performer if you are a real tell you have to come back especially in a year like this you know so i'm rooting for him we'll see uh i think it'll end up being good yeah, he's, he's 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 going to I think he's going to do great. And I, even if he comes back and is, you know, half as good as he used to be, that's still an awesome voice to have on the air. And uh, I hope I hope if Trump does win, he doesn't go into like the full anti-Trump mode. Um, I, I hope he's able to kind of in the past hit the both sides angles, which I think is I think is better. You know, it's like and it's it's not taking a one side against the other i think it's kind of making fun of everybody in between i i'm fine with him being anti-trump as long as he's not uh it, all of them i'm fine with him being anti-trump as long as it's not lazy anti-trump humor so like let's just as as, as a as a species as comedians let's just all agree we're done with orange jokes they had their time they were very funny ha ha he's oh, orange. his hair is weird we got it the hair is weird he's kind of dumb and he's an yeah. asshole got it all right We've all got that out of our system. Come up with funny jokes. Just don't do the low-hanging fruit that's been done a dozen times already. Like, that's kind of no. like, I love Steve Colbert. That's kind of my problem with, with when I've watched him the last few years is I'm like, I I agree with what you're saying, but I don't feel like like there's been a particularly funny joke here. It's just, you know, he's dumb and he's author authoritarian. Yeah. I Okay. Yeah. Can you come up with something? Yeah. yeah, I agree. Let's let's go for the let's go for the higher IQ jokes. Yeah. And uh, let's leave it yeah. at that since we uh, managed to solve all the solutions. You know, now we have a, pro you know, uh, we solved the border problem. Uh, I don't know if New York uh, is going to be a bigger problem soon, but, you know, they have to come up with a solution somehow. I don't know what it is, but that's why people elect people, you know, because hey, now uh, it's yeah. no problem. Tom, uh, no, no fooling. I'm actually going down to McAllen, Texas to check out the border situation. Um, oh, Monday wow. Through Wednesday of next week. Yeah, I got invited to go on a press junket. Uh, so I'm going to go down there and meet with border security guards and some um, uh, local churches and things that that bring in migrants and talk to them. So I'll let you know what I find out. Oh, that would be dude, awesome. when you say, when you see my cousin, dude, can you just tell him to pay me back the eighty dollars I let him borrow? Yeah. What I just anytime I see anybody that looks like you, I'm going to grab him by the lapels and be like, "Give Brian his goddamn money." I'll do it multiple please times. Please do, please, please. How, how far yeah. is the is the border from you? About five hours driving. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, it's just like, just to give an idea, because I still don't get it. You can just like walk by, like, there's no actual real <laughs> border. Well, you've never no been to a border reason. town at them, huh? I th I think no, you've no, never no, been no. to a border town? where you are. So, so there there are parts of the border in Texas or like maybe Arizona where it's desert that you can see for forty miles, and so they don't have any physical boundaries there. They just have the occasional surveillance camera because they can get out there. Uh, I I think when it's around population centers like El Paso or Monterey, places like that, they have a fairly extensive wall. How effective it is, I don't know. Uh, P back when they were debating building, you know, the capital T, capital W wall, uh, PJ O'Rourke said, look, this is a billion dollar subsidy to Mexican ladder companies. It's not going to do anything. So I, I don't know how effective it is, but uh, I, I it's not just like an unregulated border all the way around. That said, though, Hatem, this is a cute thing for you. Um, along the Canadian border, um, there's there's one part of Minnesota that's like a little peninsula in the uh, uh, the Great Lakes that dips down a little bit. So, like from a political standpoint, it's an island. 
Because if you're an American living in that community, uh, you're south of that border, you're in America. But to get to the grocery store, you have to go through Canada. But we have such a good relationship, thank God, with the Canadians that what they do is they drive to the border, they get out of their car. There's no Canadians at the border, but there's a phone. And they pick up their phone and go, hi, it's me, Bert, from America. <laughs> and they go, permission to enter, Bert. Please stamp your passport. And they stamp their own passports. And then they drive to the grocery store. And then they come back and they're like, I'm back. And they're like, okay, hit your exit visa. And they stamp it, leave. And I'm like, that's adorable. Oh, that's so funny. I wish the whole world <laughs> like that. And Brian, yeah, someday, question, when we get to Star Trek, it'll be like that. That would be awesome. To answer your question, Brian, Future, no, yeah. no, I have not been to a border city. Why would I go to a border city? You know what happened if I go to a border Ooh. city? They're like, which way oh. did you come from this way? You're missing. <laughs> I was like, saying, man, you. you're, you're missing out on you're missing out on some great entertainment that involves a young lady and a donkey. That's all I'm saying. So that's why I'm <laughs> going. That was the thing when, when I got invited to this press junket. I was like, "Is there a donkey show?" And they were like, "Just come." And I was like, "I'll go either way. Maybe, maybe it'll happen." You know what's funny though is the Americans that go to buy prescription medication into Mexico and then come back. Dude, I that's the one thing. <laughs> it's like any any people that live on a border, they all get their dental work oh, yeah. done, like cavities yeah. filled in Mexico, cheaper. and they go. Yeah. Also, you can buy cool shit. Like I was down in the Yucatan a couple of years ago. Just I I did some comedy in the Yucatan, uh, and uh, and I was down there and like went into some pill store, and and they were like, of course they were like Viagra, and I was like, nah, yeah. I get it, I get it, but no. No, you're like I'm uh, stocked so, up, dude. But but I, I got some like yeah, I, I I'm well ahead of you. Thank you. No, I, I just I was like I I guess I'll get antibiotics in case the grid falls apart or something. I this is like my my moment of being a prepper started in Mexico. Uh, but you can like yeah, you get antibiotics and then like other shit that's like really regulated here. Like I'm trying to like I I because I'm in Texas. I texted a bunch of my, my my lady buddies and was like, do you want birth control pills? Like I don't know if we've outlawed that or not yet. You want me to pick you up some birth control pills? <laughs> That's great. Oh, you dude, want- yeah, they'll they'll. If you would have stuck around longer, man, they they would have started offering you, you know, eight balls, everything. It's just, you know, what are you in the market for? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I was, <laughs> no, then I have to make a uh, I have to make a stop there one day. Uh, Andrew, you should you should film it. Uh, you know what? I probably should. I, I won't I won't be able to put a um a a crew together or anything like that. I'm going to bring my recording equipment for audio stuff, but I might as well do some of that on on camera and like uh, put it up uh, to a company with, on YouTube or something. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, guys, this has been fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, if you uh, if you have any questions, any comment, you can email us at livefromamerica at comedyseller.com. And Andrew, you want to share your information where people can find you, watch your shows and all that? Yeah, so for all, all the listeners that have fallen in love with me, first, congratulations on falling in love with me. Good call. Brian's a lot better looking. You've looked through Brian's charisma, talent, and visage to me, whatever it is I offer. And if you want more of me, you can find me on a program called the Political Orphanage, so-called because I don't particularly like the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, but I have a lot of friends in both. So I'm just trying to figure shit out. So if that sounds like you, check out the Political Orphanage. And Brian? Andrew, I've fallen in love with you. So Thanks, I, Brian. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to McAllen, Texas for two things, to uh, pick up my cousins and hang out with you. So nice. I'll, I'll see you there. Um <laughs> No, you guys can follow me. Thanks for again, uh, Tim, Andrew, for having me on. This was such a blast. It's so cool to uh, to be able to talk about the shit that matters in the world once in a while. And um, you guys can find me at uh, on Instagram at BTD Jokes. And you can also find my web series, Migrants. Just go to YouTube, type in Migrants Comedy. Um, if you just type in Migrants, it's just a lot of 
depressing video. So typing comedy. Funny. Unless you've got funnier, a real yeah. sense of humor, it won't be as funny. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, check me out. Brian Torrens Day on Instagram. I post stuff all the time. Comedy shows, comedy clips, sketches, what have you. Yeah, and the show is definitely funny. I, I recommend watching both uh, Andrew and Brian. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much. We'll feel better for Norm, and I'll uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.